Minus Three with Dave Damashek and Jeff Schwartz. Do it, fellas. Hi and hello, sports fans. Welcome to the newest episode of Minus Three, presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook. Tune in all season long for exclusive offers and odds bets. FanDuel, more ways to win. We're about to tell you one of those great ways to win this upcoming football weekend. We have many sports to discuss and some music to discuss, too, in the Game of Life with one of the great champions at the Game of Life. Chris Long is coming up in just a matter of moments. In the meantime, let's say hello to our main man over there in Carolina, getting ready to watch the Jets and the Giants. And oh, it's, a, it's an embarrassment of riches for football fans. At least there's going to be football for them because in Nashville, Tennessee, there will be no football on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, who knows when because the Steelers and Titans are hereby canceled as of this morning at the time of this recording. Let's kibitz about all of it with our guy, Jeff Schwartz. What's the poop, fella? I'm glad to be here. And even though the Steelers do not play this weekend, I fully expect you to pick against them. Uh, in our <laughs> today. So just let, just let everyone know they do not play this weekend. I actually love the Steelers, but uh, look, this is going to happen, Dave. We, we, we talked about this all year long. It was going to happen. I do not think it's, it's, it's room for doom and gloom. Baseball got through the regular season. They're in the playoffs now. They had cases here. Now, the NFL can't have double headers. They can't go off win percentage, right? They're going to have to try to get 16 games in unless everyone at some point has to forfeit a game or, or move the season. But look, it's one game off the schedule this weekend. The Vikings are still playing, and we can talk about football. So I'm happy to be here. All right. I want to talk about all of it. The Lakers uh, have started out well. I forecasted for uh, for the FanDuel uh, betters and beyond that uh, the savvy play. I think the the sports gods smiled on me and uh, frowned, unfortunately, on the heat. Don't uh, obviously uh, because I'm a swell fella. I'm not rooting for any injuries. Um, but uh, now the Heat, who are already the underdog, now with some big injuries and uh, some question marks going forward there, it certainly looks like the Lakers aren't. Uh, it's not a matter of if they're going to win the title, the Lakers, but win, uh, but right. uh, how many games it's going to take them. I think that the sweep is uh, is in play more than it was even before game one tipped off. Um, so we'll get into that. Like I said, Chris Long is coming up here in just a second. Um, spoiler alert. He and I are going to be ranking out. I don't know if you saw this, the Rolling Stone 500 greatest albums of all time. I can say that they bit off more than they could chew because they blended hip hop and jazz and punk. And well, I mean, it's too much. It's too much. So Long, who's a big music fan, um, and I are going to provide, and Spaghetti's going to weigh in with his too as a big music guy, uh, our win play show choices for the greatest rock albums. We'll do jazz and hip hop and otherwise at a later date. So be on the lookout for that or stick around for that. That's coming up in just a matter of minutes. But let's dig in on it. And I'm with you. The spirit uh, that you have there, Shorts, I'm excited for sports. I'm glad, you know, who knew four months ago if we were definitely going to have games. We do have some games, at least to kibitz about. So in the name of our perennially sunny disposition collectively. Let's try and talk about uh, the the haves and not the have-nots, shall we? Let's do it. I am excited for this week of games. It's, it's already week four. It just feels odd, man. Like, we, we already have almost a quarter of the season out. And, like, now we know who teams are, right? After this week, I feel like we have a good idea of who every team is going to be. So it's a fun week to talk about football. 
I think that that's true. And like we talked about last week, week three feels like the week where everybody thinks that they have everything all figured out. And then you see these wonky results and you and you realize that 120 minutes of evidence is not enough. Uh, very often, if one team is two and oh, and the other team is oh and two, you kind of get into a, 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 a mindset that well, I mean, how would that 0-2 team ever beat a team that's 2-0? and Obviously, they can't win games. Like, that's the, – the season is long for most yeah. of these teams. I will say, and I, I – I, you know, without moving on too quickly and 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 being glib and blowing past it, I think – and I, I can't stand those who get up on Mount Pie Schwartz and we were tweeting about it um, on Thursday morning and uh, just, to, just to further the point quickly here. I feel like – people in Pittsburgh are wringing their hands immediately about the football implications of this, about the the Steelers 2020 season. And now they're behind the eight ball because now you've taken away their buy or you've now imposed an earlier season buy on them. And now they have this horrible slate presumably coming up where they have to go to Tennessee in front of a Baltimore game. And the Ravens are going to have a buy going into that one. My response to all that is we're being awfully naive. If you think as we're now into the month of October that this is it like, okay, well, that one game, so it's a speed bump. We're going to have to figure this out. Like this is going to happen. I think teams are, I've, you know, I've heard from uh, people in the NFL PA that the players understand that there are going to be games that are forfeited going forward. So I just think, you, I think football fans, generally speaking, better, assume better expect that this is not a one-off thing and you're this is the the tip of the iceberg not something that will breeze past and like remember that weird uh, thing in week four i think this is going to be like uh the way it's going to be going forward not hopefully not every week but i do think we're going to see some of this well it, it's very possible we're going to see this and and i talked about it you've talked about it most of us that are realistic about what's happening in our country right now understand that this is probably not the first and only time this is going to happen. But regarding the Steelers specifically, because that was my tweet that you answered. Mm-hmm. I was actually, and the funny part is, I didn't plan to tweet about that until I saw someone else tweet about the positive of Tennessee missing this week. And I'm like, well, if you tweet about that, we got to talk about the Steelers. In this specific example of one team losing a game this week, the Steelers were in prime position to go to 4-0, right? Tennessee was 3-0, but 0-3 against the spread, right? They had not played terribly well as a favorite so far. Pittsburgh was coming in there as a favorite, to go 4-0 and have a tiebreaker against the Titans and then still have, I believe it's a week eight bye. Um, now they realistically have to play their four toughest games in a row, Browns, Ravens, I think it's uh, Titans and, and Cowboys, uh, with, 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 without that bye. So specifically to the Steelers, it hurts them. And I like them too. That's probably why I'm a little bit um, upset about it because we saw the Chiefs dominate the Ravens on Monday Night Football. There's only one team in the AFC that can stop not stop, slow down the Chiefs, and it's your Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, I hear you on that, and do you, uh, uh, quickly on that, um, do you think that the Chiefs, I I know this is, sounds hyperbolic and whatever, but after you watch what they did to the Ravens, do you think it's reasonable that they run the table? I know that's that's big talk here heading into week four, but do you think that the Chiefs realistically in that locker room, obviously your brother's in there. Does yeah. he or anyone else, are they starting to talk about like, maybe, maybe we can, maybe we can go undefeated here. I think they're just worried about getting the one seed and, and get that by in the playoffs. I, look, it's very unrealistic to expect them to go 16-0. I know, but look, yeah, right. Look, doesn't happen very often. If the Chargers go for a fourth down, fourth and one in overtime, we might be talking about two and one Chiefs team, right? I mean, I think that 
we see throughout the season, there are weeks where teams just don't show up and you lose a game. And, you know, the Raiders come to town late, late in December. The Chiefs have the one seed. The Raiders are fighting for the playoffs and the Raiders just win a game. Like it just, it happens, right? Um, and the Chiefs, I think, are far more concerned about winning a Super Bowl than going undefeated. I, I tell you, Andy Reid, I, I guarantee does not care if they go 15-1, 14-2, as long as they hoist up the, the, the Lombardi to end the season. So I, I don't think they care, and I don't think they're going to do it. I just think it's – I mean, the Patriots did it, obviously. Um, but the Chiefs, I'll tell you, under Andy Reid, they have like a game a year where they just like – I know. You always go to that one. It is funny. It's true, it's true though, right? Am I wrong about it? No, and I, I, and I think your other point that, uh, you know, uh, nationally I'm seeing other people jump on, but it's, it, it is always the case is – that and and the teams that gave the Patriots trouble, two very different constructs to championship teams, the Chiefs and the Patriots of the 21st century. But the same thing remains true. How do you beat Tom Brady's offense? Is you got to be able to get home with just your standard front. You cannot be blitzing him and expect to do it. It seems like that's been revealed there. And the Steelers are built to your point to do exactly that with their defensive front, their pass rushers and, uh, and their strong back end. So we'll see there the team coming off of that, uh, that, I mean, really um, surprisingly big blowout. I had the Ravens. I think a lot of people did Ravens trying to bounce back now against Washington. And that brings us to our boost bet of the week. Tell them about it. You can bet it ahead of time. Fanduel.com slash minus three is how you do it. This is available only to the minus three listeners. So go ahead, Schwartz. Yeah, I'm going with Baltimore here. This is not a fade Jeff Schwartz situation. There wasn't a no. great option this week for a fade Jeff Schwartz. What we're going to do for you guys, it's at minus 13 right now. The 13-point favorites at minus 110. They're going to move it to, to minus 12 and a half. So that's obviously a half point difference at plus 110. Here's the reason why, Dave, I think the Ravens blow out the Washington football team. The Washington football team is not very good, and the Ravens dominate teams that are not very good. Hmm. I think they had covered, you know, they had covered um, in the last 13 games, they're 11 and 2 against the spread is Baltimore. Obviously, that, that includes the Chiefs' loss last week. But Washington's missing Chase Young from this game, most likely. It's not been ruled out quite yet, but everyone assumes he's not going to play. Washington can rush the passer, they can't stop the run. I think they're 25th against the run. Baltimore's going to run the football all day. The, the, the recipe is out to beat Baltimore, right? It's to get ahead and get them out of their rhythm. Washington's not going to get ahead. Since Dwayne Haskins became the starting quarterback in the NFL, Dave, in week nine last season, he is dead last in completion percentage, passer rating, passing yards, all things that are important to being good as a quarterback. Dead last in all of them. The Ravens are going to come in there and steamroll the Washington football team. I mean, it's hard to mount much of an argument against any of that happening. It just seems like a two-touchdown victory, assuming that going into an NFL football game is assuming a great deal. But I can't mount much of an argument, like I say, uh, against that happening. And uh, you know what? For once, we park our cars in the same garage. I am with Jeff Schwartz on this. And uh, with the added uh, boost there from FanDuel, get in on that. FanDuel.com slash minus three is how you do that one. The Baltimore birdies. You know what? If you want to hate bet it, Steelers fans, this is a a good one to jump in on there as as the black and gold will be sitting out this week. And um, Sitting down this week for Eddie Spaghetti, producer there, his uh, beloved blue shirts, the New York Rangers, said goodbye to Hank Lundquist, um, you know, almost won a Stanley Cup. 
for the Rangers, but now it looks like he's moving out into the great abyss and moving on um, somewhere else. And Spaghetti, you declared earlier in the week, Hank Lundquist, I was kind of surprised, actually, your all-time favorite athlete? Yeah, I mean, he has the longevity. Um, he's you know been with us from the start. He brought us, I mean, many years. He was the only great player in the team. Um, you know, the, the 2014 Cup run and a few of the deep playoff runs they've had were some of my favorite sports moments just watching those games with my friends and family um and there's really nothing like playoff hockey the the intensity of the stanley cup finals just you know it takes to a whole new level um with every shift you're just holding your breath and like every time a puck goes into the net it's just like it's insane and just to have a ha- uh, have hank through all those years um unfortunately you know he's he's pricey he's like getting up there in age and they're in the part of a rebuild now getting the first overall pick so he can't he ranks ahead for you of Jeter or Eli or any number of other guys. Um, I assume that I just named your your top your other two on the on the winner stand with you, right? Did I get those two right? Uh I I always skew towards hockey. Like the Rangers are my favorite overall team. Um some of my favorite athletes are from Notre Dame, who I root for in college. Um yeah, I mean I don't know. Jeter, I think I respect more now. Uh, Same with Eli. I think a lot of Eli's years, I was kind of like, what is this guy doing? And then now it's like, oh, his career actually was pretty good. People were kind of harsh on him. Um, I do. I do really appreciate both their careers. But now Hank to me is just another level. Um, And like, I like him so much. I'm okay if he goes elsewhere and wins it, like pulls a right board. Uh, No dignity. Boston fans, when in a completely different era, I know 21st century has turned into Boston teams all winning championships but just before that when Raymond Bork the Hall of Famer for the Bruins got traded away and uh, to the Colorado Avalanche and won a Stanley Cup after six weeks or whatever in Denver Colorado and he came back they threw him a parade in Boston that was shameful that was that was wrong Schwartz give me your uh, win play show favorite all-time athletes um real quick Eddie I got to the New York in 2014 when the Rangers went to the cup that mm-hmm. year. And I went to three games, one wow. game in each of the first three rounds of the playoffs at the garden. It was a ton of fun. I was at the, the game six clinching game against the flyers. So mm-hmm. much fun that year. That was just, that, that that's awesome. Memories. That's great. Did you ever see at the MSG, the catwalk thing that they put in there a couple of the, years ago, uh, really the bizarre. The chase bridge. Yeah. Yeah. I went, I, I watched uh, actually a uh, penguins uh, blue shirts playoff game a few years back there. It's really an unusual thing. It's a, like I say, it's a catwalk that from the, at the top of the, uh, at the top of the arena and you just kind of hover over everything. Anyway, go ahead, Schwartz, so your top three. For me, Barry Bonds is probably my favorite. I am and will always be a Central Giants baseball fan. Probably my, you're I'm from Los Angeles. I am very from Los Angeles. That is very correct. My dad's from the Bay Area. So I grew up okay. a Fair. Niners, Giants fan, except for basketball. Basketball, I think he was a Warriors fan, maybe a Celtics fan. It was more like an, he was an anti-Lakers fan. And we had Lakers season tickets at the Forum. So I became a, a Lakers fan. Um, so How would you get very, season tickets to a team your old man hated? At the Forum? So we had, um, we split them three ways with two other families. And they mm. were like the fourth row from the top. I mean, it was like the very nosebleed the form we went to 15 games a year um which is now sofi stadium and you know and, and then we went to i've never seen a lakers game in staples I, I i never i've been to staples to see a clippers game once i believe uh but it's it's expensive to go watch a you are you and you and mitchell schwartz these two six foot five behemoths um walking into the forum how many times people must have said like hey, look forward to seeing you two uh, in a couple of years uh, playing here yeah, right i mean, I mean we were, 
we were young. I'll tell you what, Mitch and I went to a hockey game, our first hockey game ever together in Nashville. It was when Mitch was training for the combine in 2012 hmm. at Bridgestone Arena. And we did not know how narrow the seats were. So we sat next to each other and it was a big, big mistake. We did not fit. Like, we're just like, you know, like they score a goal. We can't even get up and cheer. We're just like this, like the, the width of the seats aren't wide enough for us. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we got a lot of those stairs. We still get those stairs. It's ridiculous. I love it. Um, Okay, so Bonds one, which is weird. I would say Bonds one, probably Kobe two, um, and number three, um, I kind of have a soft spot for like Buster Posey or like a Tim Lincecum. Um, To me, they're about equal in my uh, my love. Tim Lincecum kind of, he bridged the Barry Bonds gap to the World Series, right? That was like the the years we sucked. He won the Cy Young two years in a row. And Buster Posey's incredible. It's Buster Posey. Why would you not? Be a big fan of Buster Posey. That's yeah, a great so, name, that's for sure. It's up I'm there with Otis Sistrunk among Bay Area him. sports legends. Yeah, that's a boy. I'm surprised by that list, and frankly, I don't care for it. I, it's it's all over the place. You can't. I don't I mean, understand how. I, I mean, I grew up a Niners fan, but like, I'm not. I mean, oh, Joe, I mean, Steve Young. I guess I don't remember like cheering hard for the Niners as hard as I cheered for the Giants. I listen. I'm I'm with spaghetti and hockey being number one. Mario Lemieux by far and away. There's not a no close. One cares uh, about hockey in California. I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up watching hockey. I didn't play hockey. No one. I didn't tell you you had to choose a hockey player. I said nothing you to like you my about list. Well, because it's weird that it's Bay Area and L.A. blended together. That's what's weird about oh, it. Sorry, Lemieux won. Then I guess like Jack Lambert maybe number two. Although Calbert Chaney from the great Indiana Hoosiers teams. You know what? Hugh Green, Tommy, so many great pit, Ironhead Hayward. It's too hard. I'm not going to do it. So instead, I'm going to pass wait, the wait, buck. You, wait, you call me out for making yeah. a weird list, and you can't even be a man enough to put three teams together? I went because I, I went to Indiana University, and I grew up at Pitt Stadium. So, of course, I like both of those guys. Charles Smith, Demetrius Gore, who just passed away. Those were my favorite Pitt Panther players. Um, some players in there. You know what? I want I, I I want to go across the state to it to an Eagles legend, nay, a pro football legend, nay, a legend of living life the right way. Put a pin in it, Jeff Schwartz and Eddie Spaghetti. We'll get back to the rest of all this stuff. Right now, it's time for my conversation with the great Chris Long. All right, love kibitzin with this fella. Uh, very few human beings uh, better in the 21st century than this guy is. In fact, he has inspired our ongoing conversation over on Extra Points about who should be America's team for 2020. He's cast his vote for Washington. I think he's trying to be ironic with that. Let's move past that. He's a world champion twice over with the Patriots and with the Eagles and currently the host of uh, of the Greenlight Podcast. A seer, I really, it's a family of podcasts. It's Chris Long. What's the poop, fella? What up, dude? Uh, yeah, friend of the program. Uh, I'm glad mm. to be a friend of your program. This is a good thing we got going, man. So I love doing home and homes. It's great to pop on yours. I know. We Well, we did uh, just last week, we kibitzed about some of the best uniforms going in pro football. I signed off on. It's a controversial stance I've taken that I at least like the Rams road getups much better than i thought i did you used to wear the rams unis yeah. you know i mean when you were wearing them in st louis that was that was the bottom of the barrel in, it was, it was terrible. that like when we had the reebok gold pants with the zippers i mean young players don't know about the zippers the zippers are dangerous okay and you know those crap that crappy gold and the edward jones dome glow 
was a real low point and coupling that with one and 15 and two and 14 was bad, bad news. So yeah, I, always, I don't, I, hate, I don't I, hate the new uniforms and they look good in Buffalo too, actually. I didn't think they look bad. You know what it is? The key detail is that's the shade of blue. I yeah. didn't, I, it's, it looks nice. It's very Dodger bluey. Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, but yeah, I always call that Notre Dame pants. They look like they were no, they, they look like Notre Dame. You look like you were Notre yeah, Dame. Yeah. Like off brand. Yeah. What are we doing here? Notre Dame. I'd rather be playing at Notre Dame than making a bunch of money playing for the Rams at this point. Yeah. Those, uh, those, those were very bad. Um, so, all right. I have so many things to get to. And, uh, one thing that we're going to dig into here, we're going big here. We could have, we could have, we like to rank stuff. We like to win play show stuff to try and figure out all manner of categories, whether it's uniforms or, or music or movies today. We're going big. Like I say, we're doing just straight up since Rolling Stone did the top 500 albums in their opinion, we're going to do, Art, win, play, show, rock and roll albums. It's too much. I don't understand this thing about like how they're trying to figure out how does a love supreme compare with um with you know with the buzzcocks. It doesn't is the answer. So so we're gonna we're gonna it's really it's impossible. I liked your idea of talking about maybe like post two thousand albums altogether. We can do that maybe another day. But like rock and roll was relatively easy for me. And it almost felt chalky. I'm like, golly, a couple of these bands could just dominate the whole thing. I mean, some yeah. of these bands put out three bangers and it's so subjective that, you know, you just get, you get in your corner a little bit and I'm seeing you have a corner and I have a corner. It'll be interesting to talk this out. I know I'm having a very difficult time narrowing it down. I mean, I, I have a list that uh, not surprisingly goes at least uh, three dozen deep. But how am I going to boil it down to the to the 10 and then to the three? We'll do it in real time for you. Yeah. But first, let's let's keep it's about uh, pro football action. I mentioned the Patriots um, and obviously you were there with the uh, with the Super Bowl victory. And then you went on to vanquish Brady and company. So you're so, you know, uh, you know, Tom Brady a little bit. Yeah. I'm fascinated by the human drama unfolding before our eyes here, mostly because it probably, whether they're willing to concede it or not, it torments the Patriots fans out there to watch Brady toiling in Tampa. Do you think Tom is watching what the Patriots are doing right now? Do you think he watches their games? And and how do you think it makes him feel? I think it's human nature to watch your last stop, especially if you have some slight, some feeling of being slighted and, you're not going to root against anybody because you have a lot of friends on those teams, but you're not necessarily going to root for those teams, you know? And I think Tom, even being the goat and having all that kind of like security and sense of self is still looking up North to say, it wouldn't be the worst thing if they dropped a game or two. I want to see my friends play well, but you don't want to see your old team go deep into the postseason, you know, like, and especially at this point, if they do that, it'll be, um, behind the heroics of Cam Newton, not that defense. The offense is actually better than it was last year, in my opinion. I mean, that's that's shown itself to be true early. And, you know, I've said this since last year, that defense was, although very good last year, was a bit overrated. And now they've, they've lost a ton of players to COVID. So if they do go far, if you're Tom, you know that it'll because of, be because of Cam. And that will irresponsibly open things up to a bunch of commentary of, well, you know, with Thomas system QB and that sort of thing. You know, it's, it's, it's a weird situation. Do you think Belichick watches the bucks and specifically number 12? I think he does, but I think he watched it less than, than Tom. I think once 
I think once Bill identified his game plan for the year, which is going to be different every year, every game, that's what, you know, the Patriot way is really about morphing and being whatever you need to be to win, but usually running the football. <laughs> I, I think Bill's like relishing this opportunity. He's almost giddy because he gets a chance to be the underdog, you know, Pat's fans, Pat's players. They've always wanted to do the underdog thing. They always go us against the world. Just because people don't like you doesn't mean they think you stink. I mean, so no one has ever thought you guys stunk. This year is Bill's chance to really play that underdog role. And he's going to do it with Cam Newton. And if he resurrects Cam's career, then he's the greatest fixer of all time. Even though um, this wouldn't be reason to, you know, slam dunk that hypothesis. It's just that I think both these these guys, Bill and Cam, have a redemption story that they're writing out right now. And I do think that he looks down south to Tampa, but not as much as Tom looks up north. I I have to believe that's true. And I think people are deluding themselves if they don't believe. I think, I mean, you would know better than I about both sides of it. I definitely think Brady is watching and rooting against the Patriots in terms of team record, not to get truly into yeah, no manner. I know, but people, because people don't want to hear that kind of stuff. And, but it is, dev- I, I talked to Brian Erlacher forever ago. It was the year after he, it was the summer after he retired. And I said, you'd be upset if they went and won the Super Bowl this year without you. Right. And, and he said, he kind of joked it, but then he said, well, yeah, I don't want them to, I mean, I hope they do fine. I don't want them to do better than they did without me. Yeah. Of course, Tom Brady doesn't want that. It does it, it does ding his legacy a little bit if Cam Newton turns around, especially it's not three years later. It's the same guys. It's still Nikhil Harry and Julian Edelman and everybody else who Tom Brady had to leave town for because they weren't good enough. He wasn't getting any help. And if Cam Newton keeps winning games with, with the same pieces that he couldn't. And by the way, right. the other thing with Tom Brady is the thing that history has quickly moved on from is that it was a bum season in 2019 for the Patriots. They still almost were the, you know, the number yeah. one or two seed. So it's a, it's not that bad, but I still do think that Tom Brady, who all you ever hear about is he's the ultimate competitor. Surely this, this, uh, this burns him a little bit. He that. wants to win everywhere, including against Bill. And, you know, like I have friends that I love that I played against that I competed against and I wanted more sacks then or guys on my team that I really respected, but I want to put better tape out than them. I wanted to be better. You're competing against everybody, and that goes for your old team, especially your old team. I mean, like, I just think fans have this this unrealistic idea of human nature, which is just that, like, you, it, it's not sunshine and roses, man. Like, there's a little bit of personal there. And another thing I think, though, if, if the Pats make a deep run, I think that you have to consider the fact that Tom's 43 years old. Um, this isn't like Tom leaving in free agency at 31 or 32. And with all the concerns about Cam's age and apples to oranges because of the styles of play and the longevity that goes with those two styles of play. Um, you know, Cam, Cam is, we're forgetting 10 years younger than Tom and people are concerned. Can Cam go another four or five years? So I think Tom is comfortable with his legacy, no matter what, and going down as, if not the greatest of all time, one of two or three. And uh, and Cam's not going to occupy that space, even if he wins the Super Bowl in New England. We have so many things to talk about, but I can't help but press this a little bit. Do you think Tom is – so Tom thinks that it, it's it's a mythical title, greatest of all time, really. Yeah. 
But do you think Tom is looking at and thinking specifically like, man, if Cam wins 13 games this year and they end up in the Super Bowl and I don't, then that I, I won't rightly be remembered that way any longer. No, and I, that, I think, and that I, burns me I, think that. I think he'd know, I mean, realistically that he's still the goat. Um, I think when it comes to Tom's motivation to go down to Tampa, obviously we always assign motivations to players, including players ourselves. Like I think about myself in situations where I was trying to make decisions, including leaving New England to go to Philly. Like a lot of people are like, yo, you're nuts, but you're, you're looking for something that's fulfilling to you in its own way. And so everybody has these motivations that they assign Tom Brady or Belichick or, you know, players on the move. And Tom might be just fine. I mean, he wants to win a Super Bowl, but this might be fulfilling to him to just feel what football is like outside New England just for a year or two. Like that might be way more intensely what this is about than sticking it to Bill. It's finding peace and saying, okay, I saw what the other side was like. I always looked over there and I said, the grass might be greener. I go down south, warm weather, coaching a beret, uh, more weaponry. It's the anti-New England thing. Mm -hmm. And okay, I felt what that was like. And now I can ride off in the sunset. But I do think he wants to win a Super Bowl. And, you know, the way New Orleans has looked, and you called this beautifully before the Monday night game, you know, it opens things up, not only in that division, but in the NFC. And if you're Tom, you got to feel good about that team growing into the role of a contender by the playoffs. I think Tampa has a higher ceiling than New England. I think New England can give anybody a tough day, but there will be bad matchups. The matchup against the Ravens was bad last year, as it were. Um, it's going to be bad this year as well. And, you know, I don't know if you can keep up with Kansas City. So if you're looking at ceilings, I think that Tampa on any given day could probably beat anybody in the uh, NFC. I don't feel the same way about uh, about the the, the New England Patriots, including the Bills. I mean, that it's a bad matchup for them as well. It was a bad matchup last year. I can, man, I agree with you. And the Packers um, accepted. I don't think that there's anybody in the NFC. I think really by the end of it, whether this upsets Patriots fans or otherwise, I think the I'm with you, man. I think the worst stretch for the Bucks is right now. Mm -hmm. And especially with Godwin in and out and everything, I think they're going to, if they can stay relatively healthy, I think they're going to get better and better as the year well. goes on. Um, and I don't think we're going to get the dream matchup, not because number one isn't doing well up in Foxborough, but to your point, I, I mean, who's who's going to beat that Chiefs team? The question at this point that everybody Steelers, you're Steelers. I don't, I don't know. Listen, and Steelers. I don't. Know. I hope you're right. Listen, I want to talk about uh, about Carson Wentz here a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, first of all, th this is something that you and I have batted around in text message. And then I forget who took it, uh, took it public in the conversation. So let's do it now. Let's just, I like the what if stuff and don't, 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 and yeah. don't give me this business that it, it upsets you. Cause it's, no. it, I, I this, we're not going back in time and actually doing this. So you can have this conversation and it's not going to put any stink on you or yeah. any of your teammates from 2017. But if Miles Jack, if that touchdown in Foxborough in the title game counts and they run that back to Jaguars and they go to the Super Bowl where the Philadelphia Eagles await them, there are some people who say that the Jags would be the world champions right now. Blake Bortles would have held up a Lombardi trophy and Chris Long really and Malcolm Jenkins, really Malcolm Jenkins and Chris Long would have put their arms around each other for another reason to try and make each other feel better. We uh, it still was a good season, man. Yeah. How say yeah. you? I think we would have kicked past days. 
I mean, <laughs> I, I, Why do you think we, that, though, for real? Because we we jumped the Patriots. I mean, they came back and made it quite the game, um, and we needed to score a lot to beat them, but we jumped everybody. I mean, once Nick got in a rhythm, the Vikings were like, oh, the scariest defense of all time. I mean, they've just got this complimentary football machine rolling into Philly. Um, and we kicked their ass. And then, and then, you know, in the Super Bowl, we would have played an inside run team with a quarterback that we would have gotten after. It was a great matchup for our defense. And I think it'd be a better matchup for our defense than it would have been for their defense. Um, I think we win that game like 31-17. I really do. Um, Holy hell, I'm telling you. Was Listen, this didn't take anything away. And I don't like doing the revisionist history when you're the loser, but since we won the Super Bowl, I feel very comfortable being like, it's kind of like the Saints players um, that year, you know, had, had the Minnesota miracle not happen, we would have beat Philly. Well, the problem is you have to win. So I won the Super Bowl. We won the Super Bowl. I can play the hypothetical what if game. It looks funny to, to, to hear anybody else doing it, like from Jacksonville or New Orleans. And to their credit, I haven't heard Jacksonville players doing the hypo- hypothetical thing. But I think we just matched up too good defensively. We did not match up good defensively against or well, sorry, against the Patriots. That's why they torched us in the second half. I was surprised it didn't happen quicker. It was a tough matchup. I think we would have gotten after their offense. Man, oh man, chill out, bro. It's not, it's not happening though. That's all. So now Nick Foles is playing savior up in Chicago, trying to buck his uh, his career long history of not ever doing anything well unless he's wearing the Eagles helmet. Um, and in the meantime, Carson Wentz scuffling along there. And I mean, this has gone on. You know, talk about what ifing stuff. Mm-hmm. Carson Wentz would have been the MVP. I don't know. But first, that's a good question. Do they win? Yeah, the, do you win the Super Bowl with Wentz? Yeah, if if that so. injury never happens, do you still win the Lombardi? Yes, and I think most guys on that team. I mean, I actually haven't heard anybody say we wouldn't have won the Super Bowl with Carson Wentz. When we talk about things, and I was just talking to somebody last night from the team about this team now and the way the window looks closed a little bit. And, you know, what we had in 2017, that magic, you know, it's just, I think had it been Carson or Nick, we would have rolled the same way. And if anything with Carson, we wouldn't have had that little dip where Nick had his little preseason, which is very understandable. His preseason, it's not 85 degrees. It's 20 and and windy against the Raiders at home and, and the Falcons gusting winds and 25, 30 degrees. Like, that's tough. I think I think Carson would have rolled right through. Um, that's just my opinion. But since he didn't and Nick yeah. Foles did, is that maybe the genesis of what plagues Carson Wentz right now? Because he still is obviously physically gifted. Is that where it starts? Because I always say Brady getting that Super Bowl in the first, you know, and, and he was a passenger for some of it. But in the divisional round in the snow in Foxborough in that game, you know, he pulled that one out. Adam Vinatieri, I guess, deserves a little more credit. But then he goes out, gets hurt in the title game, wins the Super Bowl, uh, throwing for like 42 yards or whatever. Um, But getting that early in his career shakes off any questions about like, this guy win the big one? Wentz has not done it. And in the meantime... Foles has done it. Then he does it the next season and almost takes you guys deep into, I did take you pretty deep into the playoffs. Does this then in the locker room and then it expands from there that everybody in Philly is like, I don't know about this guy in this. Cause the idea that 
oh, listen, being challenged strengthens everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, it makes it, mm -hmm. not everybody. Some people crumble when you challenge yeah. them, right? I mean, is that is, is he plagued mentally, emotionally, and otherwise by rugged Philadelphia fans and media? Well, I think number one is the quarterback with the higher ceiling is Carson. Okay, mm -hmm. consistently, and that's that's. It's it's funny to me because I think the world of Nick and I think Nick in the right situation is lethal. And he's one of the best leaders I've ever been around ever. So I love Nick. Um, but Nick's streaky, as you mentioned, good stop, bad stop, good stop, bad stop. And the amazing thing to me is. When when Nick walked and your franchise quarterback stays, your franchise quarterback surprise um, people in Philly. We shouldn't have let him go. Watch, watch, watch. He's going to do this, that, and third in Jacksonville. Well, guess what? If you're a quarterback in a shitty situation, unless you're a Hall of Fame type guy, you're not going to elevate that team. And that's what we saw in Jacksonville. And he got hurt, obviously, in the first game. And by the time he got back, there was Minshew mania and that sort of thing. That's your illustration right there of, okay, well, we just saw that somewhere else. And it's not always Nick Foles, the, the Super Bowl MVP. And in Chicago, I think it's going to be more, it's going to be more good Nick than erratic Nick because the scheme is more akin to what he's used to doing. We said that, you know, the naggy Kansas city connection, that sort of thing. The defense is going to be really good. And this is the role he thrives in, you know, like I'm coming in to save the day. Uh, I called him the fixer, uh, the wolf from, uh, from Pulp Fiction on the, put a much less, you know, uh, a more Christian. We need, we, we need Yeah. We <laughs> yeah, we need so he's so he's not sitting at the uh, foot of a of a fancy hotel bed at six a.m. when he's taking calls. Like no. oh, I got to start. I no. got to start this week. Okay, no. okay, coach. No, he's not doing that. But I I really do think with Carson and you mentioned it with Tom getting that that monkey off your back the first one. It's the same thing with pass rushers in a season. If you get a sack the first game, you fall into a sack the first game. You're playing with house money. And that's a mentality that's real for players. And uh, it sucks because the ACL, all he was doing was diving to, to – and we were kicking the Rams' ass at mm -hmm. that point. I mean, we went on the road, and the last snap he took that year, he's beating up on the, you know, the, the, the new darlings. Uh, and we end up pulling that game out. Tears his ACL on a contact play. Then his next chance to get in the playoffs, he gets tattooed on a dirty play by Jadavian Clowney, which is going to – which is going to concuss anybody. The guy's a 300 pound missile. Um, and, you know, it's just been, he's had this, this stigma and he is more injury prone than, than Nick Foles or than your average quarterback, but he's also, his ceiling is so high physically what he can do. And you saw that last year, he carried a cratered roster last year. I mean, he literally, when you look at the things he did, it was remarkable. And now he's dealing with it again. And I think the problem is it's two year, it's one year too many. You know, like his mentality, he's like kind of scarred from last year, all the noise. You know, I got to push the ball more. So now he takes chances. And the thing he's never done well is give up on plays. So he's forcing balls. His mechanics look off. And if I'm being honest, I don't think he's being developed right now. And, and when I judge a quarterback, I want to see once I've seen it, I want to see that again. And that's on the coaches to bring that out. Carson Wentz wants to get it done. You saw those drives against Cincinnati where he's putting his body on the line and running through safeties and backers, but he's not making the throws right now. But the team also sucks. So, you know, I, I think he's going to, I think he's going to outlast anybody in the building. I'm not saying there's going to be a change right now, but you don't just like, if you're going to make a change, you don't start with the rarest talent in the building. 
I hear you, but the calls have already begun for Jalen Hurts. And, uh, you know, the best yeah, thing he has is they happen to be in a bum division is is the best thing they have going for him. If they were in the Yeah, here's my, right thing with Jalen Hurts. here's my thing with Jalen Hurts. Seems like a great kid and that you can win that way in the NFL. But the defense isn't elite. The D-line's really good. Second level, third level, kind of all over the place. We see with with Lamar and that style of play hasn't you know been able to come back after halftime down zero and six. You have to play those games in phase, and I'm not comparing Jalen because we don't know what he's going to be like. I mean, we really haven't even seen him. But like, here's the deal: if you're a Philly fan, you want to do that. There's just no going back. Because I, I hear you. That's right. It's a full on commitment by Baltimore. First of all, that's the difference. It's uh, everybody else likes to do it to be cute and to throw people off a little bit. They made a full-on philosophical commitment. One, yes. and two, it's limiting, and I always refer back to it since 1983 when you're watching an old Big 8 game. You're like, this. the limitation of this offense is, is that they can't come from behind. And it's like, this is the NFL in the 21st century where everybody scores 40 points. That's a bad <laughs> That's a bad yeah. uh, kryptonite to have is that we can't come from behind is a, is a bad limiting thing. To put on yours. Listen, I want to go on and on with you. We could go for three hours. I want to get to the main event here. Yeah, Let's get to sure. the best rock albums of all time. Like I say, Rolling Stone did its 500, but they had like, I don't know, Eddie James in there mixed in with the Ramones. It just, it was too much. It was too yeah. much to, to try to do. We boiled it down a little bit. It's an important note as we jump into this. We're going to give our win play show music uh, choices here. Chris Long, Eddie Spaghetti, and me. And I, I want to clarify, don't I don't need your notes about what I missed because these are my favorites. These are not the yes. greatest of all time. These are my favorites, obviously. You know, I, uh, you know, I didn't play bass in uh, in Cream. I don't you know, I did Cream have a bass player spaghetti? They did. Right. They had only three. I don't know. Anyway. So sorry to Black Sabbath and James Brown and Bruce Springsteen and Parliament and Bob Dylan and X and the Pixies and the Who. I like all your music, but I had to get I had to narrow it down at some point. So I, I everybody isn't going to get a shout out here. Chris Long, start us off. Which ones are you considering for the uh, for the winner stand here? It's funny you apologize to those bands. I mean, like Jimi Hendrix, one of my favorites of all time. And there's no album on the list, though. I mean, like for me, the standard for an album is I don't want to skip a bunch of songs. And, I'm, you know, like it's like I like more Rolling Stones songs, maybe. On my on my Spotify, I have a ton of stones, maybe marginally less Led Zeppelin, but Led's got better albums and projects, you know, top to bottom, in my opinion. Again, favorites. So, I mean, I had deeper understanding, which is War on Drugs. Uh, it's a Philly band. It's just like the perfect smoke album, like for the, the heads out there. And uh, it flows like one experience all the way through. I love that album. If I'm going Led Zeppelin... Uh, I'm a physical graffiti guy. There's no secret about that. We've talked about that. Um, and I have to give all due respect to four because it's so stripped down and kind of perfect and Spartan. Um, and you can really feel like that whole experience, the way they recorded it. I just think even the songs I don't listen to every time, it's only because they're so great and they've been played so much like black dog and rock and roll. I'm like, okay, I've heard this a million times. Um, Right. It's hard to indict the record because it's so good. You you ran it into the ground yeah. or, or society has run it into the ground. I'm with you. And I like the notion of what you're talking about is to start to finish. You feel 
that it was re- that's why I love Exile on Main Street. The the right. notion of of imagining Mick Jagger and company sitting around in France in some basement and they're like, let's knock this thing out. It feels like it all comes from the same place at the same time from the same heads. Yes. I agree with you. And and it's funny you say that. And it's almost cheating because wish you were here and Dark Side of the Moon are going to come up probably again. Um, two of my favorites of all time and Pink Floyd probably is my favorite rock and roll band of all time, hmm. um, which is chalky, but whatever. Uh, I'm kind of surprised by that, actually, because you, yeah. you skew so... Uh, you know, country rock to me. So, well, I do, uh, so, I tried to so Dylan and I tried to leave out, you know, that stuff on account of, you know, boiling you. down the genre. Like, listen, I'd love to put live at Folsom Prison. Uh, you know, not a rock album though. So fair, but you could say, oh well, that's kind of you know, like you can stretch the genres however you want. I Sticky Fingers is my favorite Stones album, and my only. Uh, my only quarrel with that album is I, I really think, I mean, it's got Moonlight Mile, Wild Horses. Uh, and that's two of the top three Stone songs in my book. Uh, and Dead Flowers, which is Towns Van Zant. My only issue with that is I think Sweet Virginia should have been pulled off Exile on Main Street and thrown on that album. I just think it fit more. Uh, I hear you. I go see Exile for me is number one. The opening track, Torn and Frayed is my single favorite Stone song. Loving Cup uh shine a light uh, to me it's it's uh, like i say yeah. it comes from the same place it's it's, it, it's definitely in the running for one of the top three spots here no doubt about it i mean it's it's like and again it's all and most people would say exile on main street i just like sticky fingers harvest uh which is neil is top to, it's so stripped down it's like 37 minutes long but you know the the best first like note on an album, in my opinion, might be um, out on the weekend. When you hear out on the weekend play, like you just, you're going to sit down for 40 minutes. Like, okay, I'm just going to sit down now. And Mm. that's one of my favorite Siamese dream as well, which I know you love. Uh, And I I think that's, I think the highlight of that whole record is the, uh, is the opening track. And in fact, I think that's an interesting side one that we should do someday is, the best opening number or even like the best opening 10 seconds of an album. And that's one of the best things about exile on main street too, is that. Yeah. I mean, that, that, what, that, opens, what opens Siamese dream? Is it chair brought? Yeah. Okay. I just looked it up and I was like, is this like some deluxe thing? Cause you know, you listen to some of these old albums are like deluxe 2014 mix and all these, like I, I, um, I'll go hipster on you. I'll go gish the record that precedes Siamese dream for, uh, um, for Smashing Pumpkins. Is, I've is tried to get into it more. I've tried to get into it more. Um, I guess the biggest, the best first song, in, in my opinion, is Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath on Black Sabbath. The be- mm. like, How do you do that in 1969 and just start an album that way? It's unbelievable. All Things Must Pass, uh, George Harrison, I mean, Steel Guitars, uh, the whole thing. I fall in love with different songs on the regular. Like I could listen to it for, for the rest of my life. Eat a Peach, uh, Oconicos, which I don't know if we're doing live albums, but I want to throw sure. that I use that Jimi Hendrix, by the way, as a side note. If you've never listened, if anyone hasn't heard uh, Band of Gypsies, go uh, change that right now. It's bluesy rock, uh, him and two other fellas live, and it's uh, it's a, a marvelous record if you've not heard it. Oh, hell yeah. 
Oh, hell yeah. Uh, Alt-J, Awesome Wave, which is kind of like lame of me, but I love Alt-J. Some people might be like, what? Same thing with the Suburbs by Arcade Fire, um, which a lot of people think the, the, the album before that was the best album. I saw it made the Rolling Stone cut, but I love the Suburbs. Um, and then Remain in Light, Talking Heads. Uh, and probably just missed the cut in this conversation is Paranoid, but that could go either way on Black Sabbath's uh, best two albums. Man, strong. All right, I'll th- let me throw out a few here. The, in consideration for me is the aforementioned Exile on Main Street, the aforementioned Eat a Peach, the aforementioned Physical Graffiti. I also love Spoon. They have a few great records. Series of Sneaks is their punkier early record that uh, is marvelous. Speaking of punk, the Ramones uh, eponymous record, their first one, legendary, iconic, and deservedly so. It's uh, the defining to me. I know people say The Clash and, I, you know, London Calling is great, um, but uh, that that's my favorite punk album is The Ramones. Anodyne by Uncle Tupelo, that's country music uh, adjacent, as is Sunvolt, as is Wilco, but Wilco then spins off into its own um, kind of sound there. And, um, and then... Uh, the perfect from now on by built to spill is uh, is to me is an epic. I mean, wall to wall, every song on the record is an epic. Every song is like uh, six or seven minutes long, each one better than the next. Those are mine. Shout out to American Beauty and from the Mars Hotel. People who would say that, that you have to hear the Grateful Dead live are wrong. That they are great live and they're different live than they are recorded. But they that doesn't mean they don't have great records. Yes, best best. Three studio dead songs. That's the question because nobody can answer it. I mean, not many people can answer it. Box the Rain for me is number one. Um, Unbroken Chain. I, yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's a hard one, but yeah, Box of Rain is my is my single answer to that one. Ripple. Okay, it's a listen. I mean that, that the the what what it proves is is that people are wrong when they say you can only listen to bootlegs of, of yeah of no that. they got some good studio stuff. Ship of Fools, uh, Dark Star. I mean, like I, I love some of their studio stuff. Um, I think what people it's weird. Like twenty twenty five years later, people are starting to acknowledge that this is a, a legit eternal classic. Tom Petty's Wildflowers is is I mean it really is right there for me. It's definitely yeah. top ten all time. If you go back and listen to that, that thing's a gem. Yeah. Um, to play hipster neutral milk hotels in the aeroplane over the sea is great. I love it. It's great, but it's all but it's a marvelous record. Like I say, Bright in the Corners is a controversial controversial stance to take for pavement fans. I like that one, along with Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain. Favorite Beatles is Abbey Road. The Police Need a Shout Out. I like their first re- first couple of records best. Physical Graffiti and Led Zeppelin Three are my favorites. REM has to get a shout out. Life's Rich Pageant and Reckoning are my favorites there. And I know it's also not cool to throw out uh, the doors, but Morrison Hotel's up there. The Body, the Blood, the Machine by the Thermals gets a shout out. And uh, and that's pretty much my list there. Spaghetti, give me your top three here. Three, I would go 10 has to be in it just oh, for the reasons. Like the dead minimum has yeah. to rank for any uh, Pearl Jam. I thought, yeah, just, just the just the importance of, of 10, uh, although I do love pretty much all their albums. Um, uh, I would say Born to Run. And then I guess the third spots between the wall or Quadrophenia. If I I'd probably go quad in the third spot, but the wall's right there. And then like 
if I had to do a fifth, it'd be something either by morning, my morning jacket, maybe Z by morning jacket or bad motor finger sound guard and lateralis by tool. Those are all kind of the ones that are in the, the mix, but the, the top three, give I me your I number one born run 10 and look at the wind spaghetti. Number one. I mean, 10, 10 is the album I've listened to most of my, most of my life. It means the most to me. It's I think the, you can get over band. an I mean, album, but also sense. if you've listened and run it into the ground, I think it, you're, you're trying to be too cool for school if it's not making the winner stand there. Chris Long, bring it on home. Win, play, show, your top three. That's tough, and thanks, Eddie. I forgot 10. You can't mention this list without 10. I'll probably, I mean, like, it's hard for me to... Ugh, it's hard. Do I let me pick one Pink Floyd and one Led Zeppelin because all their albums could be in the top okay. three. I'm okay. gonna go Dark Side of the Moon is my win. Uh, greatest rock album of all time, or your favorite rock album of all time? It's my right. favorite. Okay. okay, it's my favorite, and I understand Fair. it's not talky and people love the album and everybody has the poster, but it's the least skippable great album of all time. It's an eclipse is the best two and two and fifteen seconds of music maybe ever made. Um, two, I'm going to go, ooh, just to get some representation in here right now, I'll go all things must pass strong right now. Um, and then probably, hmm. And you're okay with me doing live albums, right? That's fine. That's fine. Okay. 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 Akonikos. The uh, the MMJ live album. It's literally, and a lot of people don't listen to Jacket, but I know Eddie does. It's 21 songs, and there's no skip. Yeah, I see, uh, there we go. Yeah, there the New York go. show. This is uh, Beacon Theater. Those are, my, those are my three favorites. Um, and again, favorites, because I know Led Zeppelin oh, made an album right. that might be better, but those are my three favorites. I, uh, by the way, side note, I saw the best stuff of uh, working on the Kimmel show was in the middle of the day when the bands would rehearse and there would be no one else around. And you could just go down there and stand, uh, you know, uh, seven feet away from the band rehearsing and running through the numbers for that night. And seeing uh, uh, my morning jacket do it was uh, definitely um, way up there among those opportunities. All right. My show. I'm sorry to physical graffiti. You're not going to make the list here as close as it was for you. And same thing with the Ramones. I already shouted out the ones that uh, just missed in the show position, exile on main street in the play spot built to spills. Perfect from now on. Perfect indeed. And in the win for all of time. I don't think I've ever listened to a record more. I don't think it one makes me feel as happy uh, in the right spot. It's eat a peach. Congratulations, Almond Brothers. You've done it. Oh, we forgot to shout out uh, Skinner, though, too. Yeah, we both had them. Pronounced Leonard Skinner is, uh, is, is definitely has the best songs by Skinner on it and, and deserves a shout, too. No doubt. No doubt. Great album. All right, listen. We've done a lot of good work here, the three of us, and uh, I think we should uh, put a pin in it and we'll figure out all the rest of uh, society's ills and figure out all the most important stuff. Um, in the meantime, make sure you're checking out the green light. It's uh, it's blowing up as we speak here. And for good reason, it's really dynamite stuff. It's not just football. It's a lot of um, really great football insights, but uh, no one does the game of life better than Chris Long does. And uh, we appreciate the time, pal. And um, Make sure you check out all his work. It's great stuff. Oh, I know you had a bunch of NFL picks. I'd rather hear your pick for the Who's against uh, against number one Clemson right now. 27 and a half. 
Oh, we're covering. We're covering, baby. We got so? exciting new uh, quarterback, red hair, ginger, you know, Andy Dalton style. I've heard of him. The red hair. And, and, uh, and he'll go, go nice with those Clemson uniforms. Maybe, uh, yeah, he'll, maybe his head of hair will confuse the Clemson if they wear the all orange or something. I don't know yeah, what will happen. Do you know what? It'll be, it'll be fun to watch you guys battle it out for second place as the mighty Pitt Panthers defense rises up to shut down Trevor Lawrence, knock him down to a second round draft pick by the time it's done. Pitt's really good. I mean, Pitt's always physical. They're always scary, but the who's are going to cover this weekend. That's how you just described me too. Always physical. Keep those hip flexors nice and stretched out. Yeah, we'll look forward to Kibitzin soon with you, Chris Long. Always appreciate the time, pal. All right, buddy. See y'all. Ah, uh, see, he's the best, right? Uh, Chris is fantastic. I love how honest he is. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't care, which is great. Like, you, there's some part of ex-athletes that, that kind of care too much. People think, and Chris just doesn't care. And I love, I love talking to Chris. I well, yeah. I mean, that's uh, kind of the, the what describes you too is uh, saying what's true. Um, so tell the truth uh, as it as it is in your brain. Do you agree with Chris Long? If the Jags had won that game in Foxborough and it was uh, it was Blake Bortles and Jacksonville, not Brady and company in that Super Bowl, who do you think wins that game, Schwartz? What do you think the number is on that game? First of all, that was the Falcons game, right? Oh, no, no. Eagles, right? That was Eagles. That was Eagles Patriots Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Okay. What the what what an Eagles Jacksonville Super Bowl would have been like? Yeah, I think Eagles would have been favored, right? There's no chance that, that the Jags are favored. Probably Eagles yeah, are but don't. Eagles but also, they would have. They would have been on a, a a Ravens 2013 type run at that point because as good as the Jags were at the back end of that season, coming down the stretch, they they would have been on a run that included knocking off 13 and three Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh and then beating the Patriots in Foxborough. That would have, like I say, would have been the same thing. And people not too far removed from the Flacco postseason run. People would have been like, this is this is just a hot team right now. You got to take the Jags. I think there would have been a lot of enthusiasm for the turquoise and teal, uh, the teal and whatever yeah, the hell whatever you call color, the yeah. weird yeah. helmet they had. The colors don't even matter. Um, no, I know. I, I think Nick would have been the ugliest Super Bowl yes. ever in terms of uniform oh, matchup. But yeah. yes, go I'm ahead. Sorry. Nick Foles is playing such a level that those two games, the Vikings and, and the Super Bowl game, that I don't think anyone would have stopped him. I mean, I, I think that we'll look back at what Nick Foles did. I don't think he gets enough appreciation outside of Philly. Obviously, they have a statue of him outside the stadium, so he gets enough appreciation there. But if you look at his career, and then you look at those two games, they do not align with each other. <laughs> like, they don't align. And it was incredible to see what he did. He tore apart a Patriots defense over 500 yards passing in a Super Bowl. I know, but that was a, but that defense was for that very small window for that very small window was insane. It was crazy what they were doing, the fits they were giving these high. I mean, remember the Steelers and Patriots both had high end offenses that year and for long stretches of both of those playoff games, they shut them down. All right. We're talking about 2017 too much. Let's jump in now to, uh, to 2020 and week four specifically. Um, Boy, I'd love to react to all the stuff we were just talking about with uh, with Chris Long there. But let's let's get to the here and now, shall we? And it. start it off. You already said, uh, I think we agree. Well, I, I know we agree that the Ravens, as uh, sizable as that number is there, that is once again our bet boost of the week. FanDuel.com slash minus three is how you get it. Juiced up odds for you 
to take that one. We both are taking the Ravens in that one. So we don't need to go on and on about that. On the other side of um, the AFC North ledger, we have the Cleveland Browns heading down to Dallas in a fascinating matchup. As far as I'm concerned, the Cowboys at home, given four and a half, the total on that one is 55. How say you Schwartz? I love the Cleveland Browns in this game. You look at the Cleveland Browns. They are a better football team right now than the Dallas Cowboys. I looked this up yesterday. Um, ever since week one, right? Week one was a disaster. They scored 34 points against a good Washington defense and 35 against the Bengals. By the way, the Bengals um, are ninth right now in the NFL in DVOA on defense. They're a good defense. And they steamrolled the Bengals two weeks ago. The Cowboys just aren't very good right now. They should be 3-0, and right? Do we? Agree this is what I'm talking about, though, of overreacting to numbers. I kind of like the Bengals' defense is good is not a place I'm willing to go yet. Tyrod Taylor in that offense just, in week one. Wait, anyway, go ahead. You, they're not, I mean, they're ranked ninth in DVO. We used okay, okay, all time. right. Like, I'm, not make, I'm not just not making this up. I know um, you're not. I'm just saying. I, I'm, not, I'm just trying to push back yeah. uh, a little bit to here's a couple play some devil's damashek here. Here's a couple of things that I like about the Browns. Their offensive line is really good in pass protection. And their defensive line is sixth in pass rush win rate, essentially. So they can rush the ball, rush the pass rush, and protect Baker Mayfield. Dallas's defense is terrible. Like, I didn't think four, four, four and a half points is too many in this game. I know I, this is going to be, I predict, that there's going to be a lot of action um, in the Browns' direction here. And I do agree, and the thing I keep saying is the – the mirage that exists in pro football, in other sports too, but more for, in pro football, I feel like, is um, this the the confusion. And Jerry Seinfeld made the joke about you know we're rooting for laundry and all that kind of stuff. But really, in free agency and injuries and and all the other things, and especially in COVID nineteen era. The idea that it's like, well, I'm going to hang my hat on the Dallas Cowboys because, well, boy, man, they got Zeke Elliott behind that great offensive line. It's like, are you paying attention, though, everybody? What existed last year is not true necessarily for every team in 2020. The Cowboys' offensive line is not really even a position of strength at some point now. No, it's not, no. You know what, though? I mean, I think Dak rises when challenged a little bit, and that offense is – and I do believe as the season progresses, I hear you about pass protection for Baker, and that's everything um, talking about the change from 2019 to 2020 is that they're keeping him clean. I do think that as the season progresses that that Dallas pass rush is going to rise up and be more of a factor here, and I do think that this one – my I guess my main takeaway here is – Take the under here because I think both teams are going to be incented despite Baker Mayfield saying he's prepping for a shootout in this one. My bet here is taking the under um, because I think both teams are going to feel incented to try and grind the other one on the ground a little bit. Which in in an under game, you'd agree you take you take the points, right? Yes. Yes, I'm with you. I I I had to figure that out in real time, and that my conclusion <laughs> is I'm not touching either team here. I'm going with the uh, with the total on this game. Um, Spaghetti, chime in. Uh, what do, who who are you taking in this one? I I'm I, I predicted the Cowboys are going to be one of the better teams in the NFC, so I'm still very high in the Cowboys. I think Dak Prescott's playing really really well. Um, he's not getting the buzzes like you know Russell Wilson or Josh Allen is, but I, I'm not going to go pick against. Uh, All right, Cowboys in uh, in Big D, we'll see how that one turns out there. And by the way, in that crummy division, that's what's crazy is you keep thinking like oh doom and gloom, like oh yeah just. I guess just look at the standings for now. Who's going to pull away in that division? I don't know. Next up, the Indianapolis Colts, the Chicago Bears, the I-65 Bowl. Those two teams separated. Those two cities separated by 
um, a three hours drive. And it is also I, I think one thing college football has over the NFL every year are these uh, regional rivalries. And this game reminds me we need to get that going. We need that in the NFL. There should be one week where um, interconference teams play each other the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Miami Dolphins and the, uh, the Jags and uh, the Falcons and so on. And so the Steelers and Eagles and the Giants and Jets, you get my point here. Colts and bears would be this matchup. It's the Colts in Chicago given two and a half total 44 and a half Schwartz go. So I like the bears to cover this game. Hmm. Um, Wow. It's not really uh, uh, like a Nick Foles reason. It's more an anti-Philip Rivers reason. Um, if you look at even last week or against the Jets, they scored points on defense. I think they had 14 points on defense plus a safety. So the offense wasn't as good as the final score ended up being. They play a Bears defense that's renewed with Nick Foles. I'm telling you guys, look, I do not think Nick Foles is the savior that everyone thinks he's going to be, but I'll tell you what he's going to do. I agree two with things. that. Two things. One is he will run an efficient offense, right? He, he will make mistakes, but he will run the offense that Matt Nagy has designed for him. It's what the Eagles did well, right? They ran the offense, and when Nick Foles did well in Philly, he ran the offense designed for him. But two, here's the more important, more importantly in my opinion, the entire team would feel like they finally have a guy they can trust to win him a game. So the defense will play better, the offensive line will play, everyone will play better as a team, but prepare differently this week because they feel they have a guy they can trust to help win them football games. And that's what I'm going with the Bears. I think the Bears win this game. I don't trust the Colts, the Colts quite yet. Number one defense, I get all that. But their offense, I don't I don't trust Phillip Rivers. Why would you trust Phillip Rivers? If you watched him play last three years, I'm not trusting him on the road as a favorite. I know. I see. I As much as I admonish everybody, like what was true last year or a few years ago doesn't mean it's still true now. And yet here I am riding with the Colts, who I feel like are the most slept upon contender because they lost to Minshew and company in week one. And so that means that they stink to most people and we don't need to worry about them, but they are loaded. They're, they're the, they're the best roster top to bottom. I guess maybe the Ravens, if you, you would make it good, but anyway, the Colts have among AFC teams, maybe the most complete roster. And the biggest question is, uh, is it QB, which I guess isn't great. I I'm going to, I'm going to take they've Rivers lost, and they, company here. Cause I think they lost to, they lost to a one and two team. I know, but the Bears should have been an 0-3 team. I know, but then Foles, you know, goosed them, and it was exciting against the team. You talk about confidence. The Falcons don't have any. They they should have lost to Detroit in week one. I mean, you talk about fraudulent teams. I don't think the Bears are – I think they have a good defense. So um, I'm, I'm going to uh, – on the hunch that um, – that, and by the way, I, Marlon Mack's injury, it's too bad. You wish you had him as a third down back, although how you balance that even with Jonathan Taylor – um, how you would take Jonathan Taylor off the field, even in third down situations is questionable. But I do think it has opened up what could have been a little bit of a headache for Frank Reich and company that Jonathan Williams is, I mean, uh, Jonathan Taylor is the real deal. And um, so it allows them to focus the offense around him a little bit and take some of the pressure off of 17, right? I mean, doesn't that make sense with a, well, a potentially great defense to, to just grind it a little bit and give 25 touches to the kid? Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Taylor's on my fantasy team. I hope that's the case. But well, there you um, go. I just, I, I don't, again, if you're going to grind them out game, I'm taking the points in the home team. Um, Spaghetti, um, your pick, Bears, Colts. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. You kind of said a lot of my points. I'm I'm definitely riding with the uh, the Colts here. I just think Jonathan Taylor is the best offensive player on both those teams right now. I don't I don't think the Falls Magic is gonna last there. The Bears, like you know, they they should have lost every single week. Basically, um, do not buy them as a as a real contender. 
even well, even Chris Long, who you just heard loves Nick Foles, said like he, you know, obviously his limitation is he's streaky, and that's the difference between the truly great QBs and the ones that are middle of the pack. Jags, Bengals, um, former Nick Foles team. If you don't didn't hear about that, Jags and Bengals. I just want to touch on this one because it's a weird game to me. Um, Joe Burrow. This is maybe you know as good a chance as he's going to have. I would think uh, going forward to get off the schneid here. Bengals giving three to the visiting Jags. Total is forty nine and a half. I'll just quickly say, I think the Bengals do get this one. Um, Three points, I don't know, with Mr. Clutch, his calf, uh, Randy Bullock and company there. A field goal difference here. I, I'll take the Bengals at home, I guess. I'll say you, Shorts. Love the Bengals at home here. All Do you the money, love them? The way. All the money, all the money is on the um, is on um, Jacksonville right now. It's because because just because the guy has a cool mustache. It's a, how much how much are we going to ride? And then and then. Um, assisted by a week one victory, which is weird. And I don't think a lot of people took a lot of time to go back and look at that game because people were so excited about week one, but okay. It was uh, okay. Minshew, it was, uh, it was, surprising, but it's a short-term thing. I'm with you. I think the Bengals are a much better team overall, right? Yep. Give me the Bengals. Okay. Um, let's next do, who else do we have here that I definitely want to hit the Giants, of course. Get on this uh, jersey, people, because uh, you want to get. We'll, we'll do that in a second. Get on this one, Giants. I, I, I wanted to ask Schwartz too, and we're recording on Thursday before the Jets play, so I don't know if they, you know, they 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 drop this one, then um, this question becomes probably even uh, more ridiculous than it already is. Are we sure that the two pro football teams in New Jersey are? Um, are going to lose more games than the two teams in Ohio in pro football this year. I mean, I know the Browns are the best team out of that four, but things are dire in uh, in the tri-state area thanks to the Jets and Giants, right? The Browns will have more wins combined than the Jets and Giants will. The, the, the Jets. That's a nice prop. We should we get we got to get in touch with FanDuel and see if they'll create that one that for us. I'm I would love that prop because look, the Giants. Look, I, I told you this about the Giants last weekend. I was I was hot on them. I know Eddie was as well. The Giants played a Niners team that was completely decimated, right? They were out, their tight end, their quarterback, a wide receiver, four cornerbacks, two defensive linemen, like everyone, right? They were playing a JV Niners team who literally just wanted to get back home, right? And Nick Mullins, Nick Mullins, by the way, through nine games, third all-time in passing yards. You know that, Dave? You're a you're the historian here. I love the fact that it's, I mean, that's the craziest thing that now there's actual buzz. This It really is the shiny new key effect with dogs, with, with football fans. The backup QB, that's kind of what happened to Trubisky it here. It means nothing. But the, but the fact is. I know, but people are getting, but there's actual buzz now from 49ers fans. Like maybe yeah. Mullins is the answer going yeah. forward. Well, the reason why is because he's right behind Mahomes and Luck. I mean, like two generational talents. And then Nick Mullins as the backup quarterback. So the Giants, the Giants got bullied right they got their asses kicked so did the um, jets what an embarrassment the, from the, the bay jets, area the team gonna, the, like, and the jets might win tonight because the, the broncos are probably a third string quarterback i mean i don't know but i just think that i think they're gonna each win three games the browns are gonna win nine all right that's a fun bet to make there to the here and now the giants are gonna be in los angeles to play the rams the rams who are good, better than I think most of us expected. I know you're all aboard the uh, Sean McVay 2020 train shorts. 12 and a half. 
12 and a half. Yeah, this, Total this on is, that one's 48 and a half. How say you? You're, I, I, are you really going to do that one? No, no. You got to stay nah. away from this one. This is just, it's just gross. I'm not doing it. I'm not touching it. You know, and, and then I can talk myself into, in the uh, abstract, into the Giants. Like, hey, maybe they can even win this terrible division that they're in. I mean, the NFC no, East no, is. There's no chance. They're just, they're not good. I don't think they're coached very well. Um, I agree. I think they have the least amount of play action pass, right, Eddie? Like they're just they do, they they don't use play action pass. They don't use motion. Uh, no motion. Yep. Boring Jason Garrett offense. Like it's exactly what mm. I thought they'd be this year. I took Saquon Barkley under rushing yards. I think he would have been under anyways if he didn't get hurt. I just didn't think this offense would be any good, and it's not. Spaghetti, you want to try to advocate for the Giants, or are you rolling with the Rams minus twelve and a half? I I mean I would take the Rams. I I am just so disappointed with this team at every level. I mean Andrew Thomas has been very up and down. Had a really bad game versus the Niners. Daniel Jones is not playing like he was in his rookie year. Um, out the defense uh, outside of James Bradbury, who by the way James Bradbury is like amazingly good right now. He's the best cornerback rated in the NFL. Outside of him, there's the ten other guys. They all, they all stink. Um, the Rams they're gonna have the Giants are gonna have fits with Higby and and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup running all over the field. Mm-hmm. Darrell Henderson's played really well the last two weeks. It's gonna be a blowout. Our guy Reggie Bush is in on um is already begun, maybe a little premature for my taste, in on you gotta fire Joe Judge. That would be the craziest of all time if Joe no. Judge went. But no. but I mean, listen, if they get housed in LA, I mean I'm not that they're going to fire Joe Gettleman, Judge, but Gettleman, but I mean, my goodness, it's it's, it's exactly it's Gettleman yeah. and, and like right. Judge was saying, it's the uh, the Jason Garrett issue of him not calling plays in like you know five six years, and then it's just not putting any guys in motion, not doing any play action passes. It's very very odd what's going on there. I know. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm, I mean, the, talk about a bad situation, and there's some there's some prime candidates. It feels like some really dire situations as we're now in on the first day of October. It seems ahead of schedule how many teams are already in doom and gloom mode. And I'm not even talking about COVID. Bills, America's team, 2020, traveling out to Vegas. Another good candidate, as a matter of fact, um, for America's team, the Raiders uh, in Sin City. Um, The Raiders are at home and uh, they're actually plus three. And the total on it is 51 and a half. I got over my skis with the Raiders. I thought that they were going to be able to go into Foxborough and and just have sort of a you know a blood and guts type of game and and bang heads all day with Cam and company and instead what I'm wrong I say I'm wrong like Jerry Orbach at the end of Dirty Dancing Jeff Schwartz I was wrong and you were right Thank you. Belichick uh, taught me and the Raiders a lesson and now they're plus three though. Um, the Raiders actually played that bad. Just offensively, they just couldn't finish their drives, and Carr just looked lost as he does against the better teams. Um, I agree, by the way, that, that that like right, we turned the page on that one. But if but there were there were there were some moments in the second quarter where it kind of felt like, or in the first half, where it's like, boy, the Raiders really. I, I felt validated watching. It was like, see, I'm gonna wait till Schwartz till this game's over, and I can stick it to Schwartz. Oh, this is the Pats defense. The Pats defense. It's just like they've they scored three points. What do you? Pat's defense. Um, um, I just say this. The Someone's going to get it, and I think it's coming up this week, but we'll talk about that the, in a second. The over is the play here. Uh, Las Vegas, 31st-ranked defense. Buffalo, 24th-ranked defense. And both defenses are in the top 10. Both offenses in the top 10. I know it's too simple sometimes to think the over hits here, but this is going to be an over fest. I mean, it's going to be you know, 35-30. I think Buffalo probably wins because they're better, but I feel much better taking the over here. 
Yeah, um, the Bills barely survived that Rams game. I think the P.I. at the end of the game is a little overstated because they do kind of balance each other out there. Josh Allen, um, borderline MVP candidate already. Um, why did I say that? I can't stand. I've been I talk about who I'm admonishing. It's the people who before week three was even over declaring who the MVP of the league is. Let, let's can we get near Thanksgiving? Can we get past Halloween before we have to have an MVP conversation? Isn't there enough uh, else to focus on? Anyhow, I'm riding with America's team. This is a this is a gut pick. This is an emotion pick. This is an enthusiasm pick. It doesn't have to do with football nearly as much. Um, spaghetti, how say you? Minus three. Uh, I'm, I'm saying take the bills in Vegas. I think this one's going to be a really, really close game, like a last-second field goal win. So if the Raiders are getting uh, three points here, I think I'm going to slide with them at home. Um, Short says the best play there is to go over the 51-and-a-half. And that may be right, but, I mean, uh, talk about early season reaction. That Bills defense is so loaded. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't make sense that um, it's underperforming at this point, but we'll see if that can right itself against Derek Carr. Um, I say it will. Patriots, Chiefs. A lot of juicy matchups over the last decade between these two teams. Now, all of a sudden, or, uh, you know, I guess in the last uh, 12 months or so, now the Chiefs prohibitive favorites against those Patriots. Um, and uh, D Ford off, offside feels like a very distant memory at this point. Plus seven are the Patriots heading into Arrowhead total on this one. 54 shorts. How say you? Well, the, the play is the Chiefs, but I don't want to make this bet. I mean, the, the Chiefs because one, I just you don't have to go with the Patriots. I mean, it's my it's my blind spot still, man. Like I mm-hmm. still think that they're. I know their defense has not played as good as as they can, but this defense is built to beat the Chiefs. I mean, that's what Bill Belichick has all these defensive backs for, and that's why he has multiple uh, ways to rush the quarterback. And this is what they're built to stop the Chiefs. Um, and I just I I can't do it. But look, Pat Mahomes. Um, I think in the last uh, 10, 11 games, they've won all by double digits except for one, which was the Chargers two weeks ago. I mean, if they win this game, it's going to win by by more than seven. But I just I don't want to make the bet. Though. I don't feel comfortable. I didn't bet this in my real life. I'm not betting it here. Um, I would lean toward the Chiefs, but I just I don't want to make the bet. Yeah, I mean, I know it's so easy. What did you just see happen? The Chiefs just annihilated the presumed uh, uh, challenger in the AFC and really shamed them for long chunks of that game until the Ravens kind of sort of were in it in the in the second half there. Um I hear I, I I mean I again the thing I keep coming back to I know that the secondary in New England is nice I don't think that the pass rush is what is, is going to be there I think that I mean the, to the point that we made at the top of the show can the Patriots really get after Patrick Mahomes with that behind that offensive line I don't think so I think it's all about giving Patrick Mahomes all about but I think a big thing is and that's why the Chargers will give them trouble when as they do it makes it hard for Patrick Mahomes to stand back there for the extra half second to let Tyree Kill or whomever else get sure. behind the defense and and um I think that they'll be able to do that against the Patriots because of a lack of pass rush no the Patriots are able to generate pass rush many different ways, which has given the Chiefs trouble in the past. And that's why I'm just going kind of off off the pass. I just think seven points is a lot. I think you're All right. right. The Chiefs, if the Chiefs win, it's by 10 points. I just I don't want to make the bet. Um, yeah, I, I I mean, I think what will come out of this, out of this week, I think this is a major headline kind of a thing. 
is that first of all, if they get past the Patriots, then the thing that's really going to start to is going to start to get going is I think the Chiefs are going to go undefeated. Talk is going to is going to start to heat up, but also, you know. Cam and that offense has been um, surprisingly good, but they're going to be two and two. And um, after this, and I think that's going to start the the reality of that is going to start to settle in. And as a side note with what Chris Long was talking about, Tom Brady watching what's going on in Foxborough, kind of sort of rooting against uh, the success of the 2020 Patriots. Um, it's all going to get juicy for us who are uh, casual observers to the uh, to the human melodrama there. Um, last one, since we don't get to pick the Steelers and Titans, which is a shame. Oh, and spaghetti. Who do you got in that one? KC, New England. This is one that reeks to me of a game where the, the, the Chiefs are winning like by two scores at the end and the, like 12 points or something like that. And then the the, uh, the, the Pats will get a backdoor cover and they will uh, they will take will take the points. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that the, the Chiefs will win by seven. Interesting. Yeah, I, I I hear you. I think people are enthused by number one there in the uh, in the new look and superior uniforms to what they wore for the bulk of their uh, Super Bowl run. I think people are overly enthused about that. I think what the like I say, the reality is is that they're a good, not great team, and uh, the Chiefs are a great team, and we will see that. And uh, the the Chiefs will get them by double digits. Last one, a Sunday night stinker. It's the Eagles. It's the 49ers. The Niners with Nick Mullins, I guess, giving seven total on this one, 45. How say you, Schwartz? Oh, yeah. Talk about a stinker. I, I just want no part of this one. I mean, the Niners are going to win this game, but I, I do you feel comfortable taking seven points with the Niners? No, 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 no. I would not touch this one. No, I'm not touching this one. I wouldn't touch this one either. No, <laughs> not at all. Here's a dumb, here's a dumb uh, novice gambler kind of move I made last week, and I pushed it hard. To everybody, I think the total was 43 and a half in uh, with with the uh, with the Gents and Niners. And I said, these teams just are not going to be able to cobble uh, that many points together. And of course, they do because the two teams or at least the Giants stink so badly that you get favorable field position. If you're the Niners, ergo, you you can put up a a sizable point total. Um, Forty five. Same thing, though, jumps out at out at me is like, really, are we going to do this? And I, I just don't buy the whole, um, you know, what's, a, what's what's the saying about iron? I mean, fire makes the iron stronger or whatever, whatever the hell it is. It doesn't apply to every human being when challenged everybody with their backs to the wall. That stuff sounds great in movies and stuff. And and, and some guys do rise up um, and and, and uh, do it. But. It doesn't mean every human being does, including Carson Wentz. So far, he has not risen to the occasion um, in his career ever since the Nick Foles thing. I think that was really the the genesis of his uh, his mental problems. I think you know he he feels the scourge of some Eagles fans and some local media there. I don't necessarily think he is going to rise from this as uh, the long term answer in Philadelphia. Uh, it seems unlikely. I just play has just not been good man like I, just, I don't know what you're gonna do i mean like in that now that the jalen hurts stuff if, if you start more and more that that answer either I, just don't, I, don't, I don't think he is either but i'm saying as that starts to mount oh, the yeah. idea that like well everybody does well when you challenge that you challenge dak he rises from that like okay that doesn't happen for every guy though that doesn't mean carson wentz is going to respond positively to all this i agree all right so i don't know what's what's the what's to predict here i will take 
Uh, I'll take the Eagles plus the seven on the road. I mean, you know, I they'll be informed by, I guess my answer on this one is, here, I'll try to thread the needle. Wait out the results from earlier in the day because I think the Eagles will get a little boost if the Cowboys fall. They're like, see, we're still right in this thing. You know, the the doom and gloom is offset by we're in the worst, we're, we're an atrocity of a pro football division right now. And um, maybe they'll get a little boost from that. That's a tepid way to go out. Eagles, Niners, how say you spaghetti? This is a, my gut feeling is that the uh, to make me feel worse about the Giants, the Eagles will win this game and they will beat the Niners and I'll just feel even worse about the whole NFC East. So I, I, I would take the Eagles and the points. All right, excellent stuff all the way around. Make sure you jump in and if, uh, if on nothing else, fanduel.com slash minus three. Make sure you subscribe to minus three wherever you find your podcast. We appreciate you doing that. Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you. Yes. Check that one out. Extra points with Cousin Sal and Charlotte Wilder, um, Daves of Thunder, so on and so forth. Make sure you're checking all those out. And uh, and uh, also make sure you're checking out the Greenlight uh, podcast, uh, really now Family of Networks with Chris Long. Thanks to him for his time and the gangbusters conversation on uh, music beyond just football shorts. Before we go out, what is your favorite uh, rock and roll band of all time? I've never, I, I, I don't associate you with music in the least. Yeah. Um, I mean, my mom grew up listening. I mean, to, grew up for us listening. We, we listened to like Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones. I mean, that's like what we grew up listening to. I'd probably say I like Led Zeppelin a little bit more. All right. See, I guess uh, I feel validated now. I don't associate Jeff. Well, I mean, I'm with you on Led Zeppelin. Your conclusion is good. I did. I didn't. Uh, I don't. I don't think you're one of those guys who's like pouring over the uh, uh, who who 15 years ago was going through the uh, UCD rack at. Uh, I, I was not. That is as accurate of Jeff Schwartz. Yeah, you were busy uh, getting ready to play pro football. I don't blame you. All right. Well, listen. Enjoy the Lakers, everybody. I think uh, they're on their way to a title. So muzzle tough to Jeff Schwartz and uh, all the Lakers enthusiasts out there. And uh, good luck to all the college football teams and pro football teams. At least you get that uh, Pittsburgh-based sports fans. You get the Pitt Panthers and that great defense. I think last I saw it was 12 and a half they're given to uh, to uh, NC State. I think they get over on them and continue their little role. And we'll talk to you next week. Until then, for Jeff Schwartz, Eddie Spaghetti, and Chris Long. Thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>